In life and in business, there will always be those things that end up at the bottom of your to-do list. You know, the things that you dread doing, the things that you put off over and over until you have absolutely no choice but to take action. When you start a business and begin your journey as an entrepreneur, there's pretty much one thing that is for certain. You are going to be handling so many things on your own, at least for most of us at first. This is the overwhelm of entrepreneurship that we all face at some point, needing to do all of the things, including the things that you dread doing. I'm talking about those tasks that don't bring you joy. They don't come naturally to you. They stress you out, or worse, they take a lot longer than they probably should. In fact, you're probably spending more time just agonizing over the thought of doing these tasks than it actually takes to just get them done. It's the stuff you always procrastinate. You know what I'm talking about, right? You're thinking about those things right now, right? If you're nodding your head, then I want you to listen up to what today's guest, Hillary Ladd, has to say about the tasks we dread. In this episode, she is serving up a heaping helping of practical advice to quickly get you past the dread and into easily checking these less than favorite tasks off of your to-do list. You know, I love a good workshop and this one's so good that in just one hour from now, you'll have exactly what you need to seriously slay some dread in your business and in your life. Are you ready? You're listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. Around here, we believe that taking imperfect action rules. So we're creating space for you to dive in and fast track your success one workshop at a time. Now, refill your coffee cup, grab your notebook, and get ready to join in on your weekly training, listen to meaningful conversation, and learn from industry experts. Here's your host, Kelly Lawson. Okay, guess what? I think I know you a little. And here's what I'm betting on. You are not a big fan of ads or sponsors interrupting the good stuff in here. I mean, I can practically see you over there hitting the little button to get past the ads and back to the good stuff. So I've decided to do something a little radical, and for the next few episodes of the Workshop Weekly Podcast, I am dropping all of our sponsors. Call me a rebel, but the point of starting this whole thing was to provide you with the best free content to motivate, inspire, and teach you how to shoot for the stars in your life and in your business. So I'm going to jump into alignment with these values and tell you that this episode is brought to you by my brand new course, Product Photography Mastery. Now, enrollment for this course is only open for seven days starting today. So if you find yourself feeling a little overwhelmed with not knowing how to show up online with your business these days, I want to take you by the hand and help you navigate the transition we're facing during uncertain times. Because here's the thing, I'm a commercial and wedding photographer, and even I don't know when or how consistently I'll be able to provide photography services to my clients for the next little while. It's truly time to start thinking about investing in yourself and becoming self-sufficient with your content creation. This is why I created Product Photography Mastery, so that I can invite you into my world and show you the way. This course is designed with you in mind. You don't need any fancy gear to get started, and by the end of the first lesson, you'll be taking amazing product photos with what you've already got. 
This course is rooted in understanding that your photos and content need not just be high quality and well composed, but they need to appeal to your target client. And that's why inside the course, you'll be learning both so that you can be showing up online with your best, most effective content, the kind that resonates with your customers. So, If this sounds like something you need, please don't delay. You can save your seat by visiting kellylawson.ca slash product mastery. The time to invest in your craft is now. Okay, what do you say? Let's dive into today's ad-free episode. Hello, Hillary. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to chat with you today. Yeah, thank you so much. This is, it feels strange and good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. doesn't life feel that way right now in a strange way? It's kind of a, a bit of a roller coaster. So at the time of recording this, we're right in the middle of a pandemic. And I feel like each day that goes by, I feel really happy and grateful to have all of this like wonderful quality family time. And then the next minute I'm like fearful and confused and feeling like reality has just been completely turned on its head. Yes. Ah, that is accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Full-time roller coaster. So, Hillary, why don't we start with you introducing yourself. Tell the world who Hillary is in Hillary's words. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm Hillary Ladd, and I have a business called Be Notorious, which basically stems from this tattoo that I got free with purchase of taco in Bali a few years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This tattoo in Taco Tuesdays, I think that... We should probably have that here too. Okay, hang on. How much did the taco cost? It was $8 for a taco and a beer. And a tattoo? And a tattoo, yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, good to know. (laughs) I'm going to make note of that. (laughs) So be notorious. It's from a quote from Rumi and he says, forget safety, live where you fear to live, destroy your reputation, be notorious. I love it. Those have been some words that I've lived by for about six years now. I ripped the Band-Aid off my whole life in 2014, and I left my husband and my job and my house all in the same day. Wow. And it was (laughs) a lot. So you were just saying before we pressed record that you like incremental change. I'm like, uh, wham, let's do this. Oh my goodness. I guess so. Holy moly. So you just woke up one morning and your life was completely different. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's what it looked like to other people, but it had been kind of a long process to get there. You know, like about two years of, whoa, (laughs) what, what am I doing? Why is my life looking this way? Why Mm -hmm. did I make these choices? And it took me like two years from that moment of like, oh, shit to, hey, I think maybe I can actually do something to change this. Mm -hmm. And I did. (laughs) Wow. So tell me a little bit more about that. Like, what was the breaking point? When did you know that you needed to make these drastic changes? I had a workplace accident, like in March of 2014. I fell down the stairs and I was off work for eight months doing like physical rehabilitation and like taking oxycodone every day. And so I had just like a lot more time to think and realize that I just was really terribly unhappy. And I was married to a person that we like, we should just never have gotten married. 
mm-hmm. like, <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, up to that point, I had been like throwing up at work every day. I was so stressed out and I just felt stuck. And mm-hmm. like, I wasn't allowed to change my mind. And like, I just had to like lay in my bed because I made it <laughs> or right. however that saying goes, you know? Right. And ultimately, I mean, it's just kind of hilarious how life happens and you look back on you're like, oh yeah, that is kind of like the turning point. But I auditioned to be Maria in The Sound of Music. Oh. <laughs> and that was kind of like what got me over the hump of like my physical rehabilitation. I had something that I needed to work towards because there was nothing in my life at that point that kind of like felt like worth anything, you know? So yeah, I got this role of Maria and two weeks later I left my whole life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it sounds like, I mean, like you said, it didn't happen overnight. You didn't just wake up one morning and decide to change everything. And you weren't just having a bad day or a bad couple of days or a bad week. It was like (laughs) day after day after day for two years. Yeah. Yeah. So I just like decided that I had to change my mind and that I was allowed to change my mind. And it was really scary. And oh my gosh, there was so many rumors going around about me. You know, like obviously people were unpleased with the situation because I didn't talk to anyone about it before it happened. And Yeah. So people were really surprised and I just kind of had to deal with that and recognize that people were going to think whatever they were going to think, no matter what I did. So I might as well just start doing what I wanted. And that Mm -hmm. is where Be Notorious comes from. Okay. I love it. So that was your journey to Be Notorious. Now, why don't you tell listeners a little bit about what Be Notorious is as a brand? (laughs) Oh gosh. Okay. So like in a tangible, practical form, it's about decluttering. Like, because we've all got a lot of extra shit. And I think that it's something that we all struggle with. Everyone I talk to everywhere I go is like, oh man, yeah, you declutter. I'd really like for you to help me with that. Can you come to my house and help me declutter? And I'm like, no, because I can't get rid of your stuff for you. You have to make that choice because it's not about the stuff. Like the stuff is going to keep coming into our homes always exponentially. Like the growth of just physical things in our world keeps getting more and more and more. And we don't know what to do with it. Like we don't even know how to dispose of it anymore. And so it's not about the stuff. It's about us feeling confident making decisions. Oh, so I just had this aha moment where I was like, wait a second, you started this whole thing by decluttering your life in a figurative sense. And then actually it it started in a physical sense. Okay. Okay, interesting. Tell me about that. So while I was all, you know, laid up with my injury, I was at home a lot. And we had just recently taken a trip through Turkey and Greece and Italy. And part of that it was like a curriculum thing. We were following the footsteps of St. Paul through the Mediterranean. It was interesting. And anyways, I read this book about St. Francis and then we went to Assisi and I just kind of like had this really big connection with St. Francis. And I got home and I started getting rid of all of the stuff that just didn't make sense. And we didn't really have a lot of stuff to start with. I'm talking like the fajita maker that um, my ex-mother-in-law got us for Christmas and the cake pop maker because she was really into kitchen appliances. And then I realized that I couldn't get rid of any more stuff because 
the house was echoing, but I still wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I can't get rid of any more things, but I'm, I still don't feel at home. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I started to get rid of physical things. And then I was like, well, I guess I need to leave now. Yeah. You physically had to get rid of yourself too. (laughs) Yeah. I have a question for you because my sister-in-law made this comment at a dinner that we had a few months ago, probably over Christmas. And I've been thinking about it ever since. And it's on the topic of decluttering. And what she said is like, because if you saw my basement, it is like, I look like a hoarder. And she said, and so I don't feel good about that. Like, I'd really like to clean out the basement. And it's just one of those things I keep saying, like, putting it off for another day because it's such a daunting task. And she said, keeping these items in your life is like another way of hanging on to the past. It's a sign that you can't let go of the past. Have you ever heard that? Can you comment to that? Mm, I have a lot of thoughts about that. Okay. So it's interesting because you said that your house looks very tidy. Yes, you've so, got all of this stuff hidden away. Yeah, so just to give listeners some context, before we hit record, we were having a grand old chat, and I was like, oh my goodness, we should be recording this. And it's no secret, I've, I talk about this on social media, but if you look at my house, I'm a very visual person, and my house looks pretty tidy and pretty clean. But as soon as you open a drawer you're going to see that it's act- it actually just looks that way. So I have junk drawers, junk closets, junk basement. So kind of the underbelly of the house is in disarray. But on the outside, it actually looks really nice and tidy. Mm-hmm. So here's what I'm going to say about that. It's that it's not necessarily always about it taking up your physical space. It's about it taking up your mental space. And mm-hmm. so when something feels daunting and you continue to put it off, it's like consuming your mental calories because you have to keep on making the decision to not do anything about it. Mm. And so when I think about the stuff that we have and the ways that we store it and the ways that we hide it or try not to deal with it or you know, like we live with it in in front of us and we have like, we have to decide not to deal with it. It's like, it's always about making decisions. So as far as I'm concerned, decluttering is not necessarily about getting rid of stuff. It's about making decisions about your stuff because you can keep it. You just have to decide that that's a good thing. And you have to decide that it's going to serve your life in some way. And then you need to figure out where its home is. Like, and that is kind of like what it comes down to where I'm like, I'm not an organized person. Like I'm not a type A person. Oh my gosh, it drives Evan crazy because he's like, this doesn't make any sense. Why are you storing this here? And I'm like, I don't know, man, like you figure it out. But (laughs) I don't have enough stuff to ever get really overwhelmed by it. So even if the kids like totally trash the place, I know that I can have everything back to normal within 20 minutes. Mm, because everything has a place and you know where that place is. Yeah. And there's never enough stuff to really be like overwhelmed by. Right. Okay. I have to ask you this question because one of the things <laughs> that and like, if there's any parents listening, I hope you can relate to this because one of the things about having a seven-year-old who is a little on the artistic side, he loves to draw. We get drawings at home, like five, six, sometimes seven papers a day with drawings. And they're so cute. And I struggle with that because I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a high volume of paper coming into our home. And 
they're so cute. And so somehow in my mind, maybe it's like I'm being complacent, but in my mind, I think, oh my goodness, future me would love to see this. I just know it. So I stash them and I stash them and I stash them. And now we have these bankers boxes full of drawings that anyway, I'm just wondering if you have any advice on how to deal with that kind of thing. Yeah, I do. I mean, like I'm not there yet because my kids are one and two. And so like, I don't really have that problem yet, but it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Right. You don't have to keep every single one. They're not all gold, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, Jude. But like my mom kept a couple of paintings that I did, like from kindergarten or whatever, you know, and like, she probably kept way more than I saw. But like, there's this one painting that I did, like the very first painting, and she kept it. And, you know, like, I think I have it now. And that's awesome. But I don't need all of them. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and it's difficult to choose, I'm sure. But I don't know, all throughout my life, my mom would make these like little time capsules for me when we like had moved on to a new phase. Mm -hmm. And so I have like, I have this chest. This is how I deal with mementos. This is how I deal with sentimental stuff. I have this big trunk that has like journals and pictures and old clothes like from my 20s and like the cape I wore all the time when I was eight. And, you know, like it's got my whole life in it and I'm allowed to keep whatever I can fit into this trunk. And every couple of years, I'll like sit down and go through it, you know, usually with like a bottle of wine and Mm -hmm. I'll like flip through my journals in chronological order from like fourth grade on, you know, and like, it's a, it's a wild ride, but it feels good because there's a lot of stuff in my past that like, I'm not super stoked about. Like, I don't want to think about it every day. I've been through a lot of trauma and yeah, like I've come out the other side, pretty well-functioning human being. And I'm really grateful for that. So mm-hmm. it's like holding on to stuff from your past doesn't have to be this negative thing that means that you can't let go because it's part of you and mm-hmm. you shouldn't have to like let all of that go, but you don't have to be confronted with it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So I guess my advice for that is just like, pick a box, whatever you can fit in there, that's what you're allowed to keep. And then you got to start making choices. <laughs> that's a good point. Cause we do have a stack of bankers boxes right now. And that's only from maybe the last two maybe three years. So I keep thinking like, we are in trouble. We need to get better at this because we're going to (laughs) need another house to fill it full of stuff. And I think that Jeff and I, I think Jeff would agree with me that we already have too much stuff as it is. His parents were downsizing and moving into an apartment and they were trying to give us things from their basement because they were Mm -hmm. downsizing. And at the same time, we're thinking like, no, like we can't bring any more stuff into our house. It's already too full. Yeah. Moving right along, I know that you have some tips for listeners around dealing with dread. So Mm -hmm. I think that maybe it's important to start with really kind of honing in on what dread means. Yeah. So dread, I mean, it's like that feeling you get in your gut where you're like, I don't want to do it. (laughs) But you know, you have to. And so it's that thing where we like, don't do it over and over and over again. And it becomes this bigger thing in our heads than it actually is. So like example, we just finished like this major renovation in our home and we put in an Ikea kitchen and like, it looks lovely now. 
<laughs> but it was a tumultuous process. And I just like, I had to keep on like returning boxes to Ikea mm-hmm. because I would like order the wrong thing or like make a mistake or like the design didn't work or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it was like the second or third like package that I had to return to Ikea. And I just kept on putting it off. Like all I had to do was put it in the box and drive to Staples and send it back with Purelater. But mm-hmm. that task felt so overwhelming to me. I mean, and part of that is because like it, I can't leave the house by myself, you know, like Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I have to bring two small children with me or find someone to look after them or find energy to go in the evening. And that's all hard. Like yeah. life is full of hard stuff. And yeah. <laughs> so, it's so true. Yeah. It's like, but we make it harder for ourselves. And so when it comes to dread, like I was dreading it. I just like had every time I was reminded, I was like, oh shit, I haven't gotten a oh my gosh, I need to return this package to Ikea. I just like was beating myself up about it over and over again. And finally I got to the point where I just was like, oh my gosh, I just need to do this. And then I realized that it took me half an hour, Mm -hmm. but I had spent weeks, weeks, Mm -hmm. weeks dreading this. Like I had spent so much time and energy and just like not doing it. Mm-hmm. And so the things that we dread are our biggest time stealers because we put like 15 times more time into the activity or task than it would take to actually just do it. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Like I'm just thinking of all the things that I can <laughs> list that fit your description. Anything mm. to do with bookkeeping always. And like just the most mundane things like paying a parking ticket. That was something yeah. the other day that I was like, oh, every time I saw that ticket, because I'd put it in my purse to remind myself to pay it. And every time I saw that darn ticket, it put me in a bad mood because it reminded me that I got a parking ticket, right? Mm-hmm. And so weeks and then finally, and of course, like the cost of the ticket went up. And then finally, when I sat down to do it, it took two minutes. Oh my God, I know. (laughs) It's crazy, but we all do it. There's always stuff that we're dreading and it's always stupid shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when I think about the thing that I'm good at, you know, which is getting rid of stuff that I don't want to make space for things that I do want, I think about the things that are our biggest time stealers. and. For a lot of people, like in my situation, I've been like stay at home momming for two and a half years. Like that's like laundry and dishes, you know, like those are some of like big time stealers. And I have figured out how to simplify those processes so that they don't take up my time anymore. And they're just like a no brainer. I don't think about them. There's never a pile of dishes. There's like, well, there's definitely piles of clean laundry that have yet to be folded because that's the thing I always dread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I've got three baskets of laundry just sitting there staring in my face and I'm wondering why I don't have any clean socks. And it would have taken me, okay, I had to start timing myself, folding the laundry and putting it away so that I could Remind myself, it's going to take you seven minutes. It's going to take you seven minutes to put Mm -hmm. away the laundry. So just do it already because it's that dread, that feeling of being kicked in the gut, that feeling of feeling stupid, of like regretting not doing it. And then we continue to not do it because we feel dumb about it. Mm -hmm. So it's just like a cycle of 
terribleness. So that is why I've come up with this five ways to deal with dread. Okay. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love the suggestion to time yourself doing the task because mm. it tangibilizes it. I don't know if that's a word or not, but like it's a good it. way to go, hey, in 10 minutes, I'll be finished. So the sooner I start, the sooner I can get back to the thing that I want to do instead of the thing that I feel like I have to do. I love that. Exactly. So dread. Yeah. It's uh, I come up with this like acronym. I was so stoked when it happened. It was like one of those moments where I've been like trying to crack the code and then I gave up and then it just like sprung into my brain and I am a big grammar nerd, so I really like linguistic tools. <laughs> yes. Well, oh my goodness, they got me through university, so it's going to help me remember. Yeah. So I came up with this acronym using the word DREAD, and it's five ways to help you deal with it. And obviously, the first one is to declutter, because if there's less shit to organize, there's less shit to organize. Like you don't have to organize it as much mm-hmm. or whatever it is that you're dreading. I don't know. We could talk about, well, let's talk about decluttering our homes because I think that given the current state of events, we're all extra confronted with the state of our homes right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like a perfect time to deal with it yeah. <laughs> since, we're, we're, since we're all stuck at home. Totally. But I think for anybody listening, if they're like, okay, like I, on quarantine day one, I organized my house, which for those people, like, oh my goodness. But I think for listeners, it this can really apply to anything is the point, right? Like it could be yes. organizing your house, but maybe you're like me and you've got a parking ticket that you have to pay. And it's just like the thought of it annoys you. So you put it off and put it off or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Like it's something that you find not fun. And as entrepreneurs, especially we all have a good list of things that we consider not fun. And those are the things that I think we're talking about here, right? Yes. Yeah. It's just like the stuff you put off. Okay. And so yeah, decluttering, if you can figure out how to simplify a process, do it. Because like I said, we make things so much more complicated for ourselves than Mm -hmm. they need to be. And that goes for everything. That's like meal planning, getting dressed, like exercising, going to the store, getting together with friends, like family vacations. Like we complicate everything so much. And it's like, because we're focusing on the wrong things, like we focus so much on what other people think and what other people expect. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's, (laughs) if you can figure out how to not make those two things really top on your priority list when it comes to making decisions, it's going to be so much easier. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> but decluttering, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I love that though. And I think too, like decluttering fits with everything, right? So if you're talking about your house, obviously that's easy. You're decluttering the things inside your house that you don't need. But if you're decluttering a process, that might look a little bit differently. Like maybe, I don't know, you're in a business where you get asked the same question by potential customers over and over. And so it's like Groundhog Day and you're just, they ask you the question and you feel irritated by it because... I don't know, you've answered it six times already that day and here you are sitting down to write the email again. Maybe it's time to declutter your life in a more, I guess, like figurative sense and I don't know, write a blog post about that question so that when people ask it, you can just link them to that, to what you've already written for just as a Okay. Yes, I love that. Yeah, simplify everything. Like time, time, that's like all we've got and you can't get it back. So Mm -hmm. like, let's figure out how to use it well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So decluttering. Yeah. Simplify everything. And then R is for rhythm. So I have 
these rhythms that I do throughout the day to kind of like anchor me to conquer the things that I don't like doing more regularly so that it never really gets to a state where I have to dread it. Mm -hmm. So like for things like dishes and laundry and like cleaning the floors and meal planning, like that's my life right now. That's my zone. (laughs) I'm like full on domesticated housewife over here, you know? Mm -hmm. So like if I can have a rhythm so that I just know that I just sweep the floor after every meal. And at three o'clock, I make sure that I know what's going on for dinner and I fold the laundry and like, I just kind of like do the things that I don't like doing really quickly. And then I like play with the kids and have a cup of tea or something, you know, Mm -hmm. but like you can create a rhythm for anything that you're dreading, like paying a parking ticket, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's just kind of like one of those like little miscellaneous tasks that kind of get like falls through the cracks because it's not like something you want to do regularly, obviously. Totally. I actually have like a stack of admin tasks. So for me in my business, anything that's an admin task is not my favorite thing. So anything that would fall under that category is often what I dread in my business. So Mm. I literally, quite literally have a stack of like a grant application that I need to complete and a form that I need to fill out to get ROEs for employees and just things like that. They're not, they're not fun to do. There's nothing sexy. They just take up time. And like I said, I carry them around in my purse to remind myself that I have this stack of admin things to do. And what I do in my work altogether, like as an entrepreneur, I tend to batch things. So today I'm doing this podcast. I'm doing three other podcasts today. If I'm going to do an admin task, I don't like to do just one. I like to do 10 of them. So I sit down for an hour and do all of those tasks that I don't like. I definitely haven't developed a rhythm. So I think that this is really going to help me if I can, you know, just, I don't know, every Monday morning or something like that, sit down and tackle these admin tasks, maybe it'll become less daunting. Yeah. And like pick a time that makes sense and that you know you're going to do it because like, I don't know, Monday morning seems kind of scary to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like also maybe you're the kind of person who's like, all right, let's just get the stupid stuff right out of the way and get it out. Just get it done. (laughs) Not Um, really, but (laughs) I'll work on it. (laughs) Like know yourself, right? Because for me, I do that kind of stuff on Thursday mornings. Like I try and schedule my work so that I am done Thursday afternoon because typically, although nothing's typical now, but like typically Evan's mm-hmm. off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so I try to like just be present. So on Thursday mornings, I just have like a window where I do like all of the small tasks. It's like my small task zone and like anything that I've been putting off or that I know is like going to take less than five minutes or whatever, you know, like just the mundane stuff. Yeah. Like bookkeeping. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I totally put those things off too. Yeah. But yeah, I just like do it on Thursday mornings and I get it done. And that way it's kind of like a catch-all for all of the stuff that I forgot over the week. And that way I can go into the weekend and not have anything kind of like weighing on my shoulders. Totally. So one other thing that I remember learning, and I apply this in my own life. So I used to always make my bed when I got out of it in the morning. And then I got together with Jeff and he was kind of like, I don't know what the point is because we're just going to get back into it again. And so for a little while I stopped and it just didn't feel right. So I got back into it again. And I remember hearing from someone that it's like the best way to start your day, make your bed because it sets Mm -hmm. you on this trajectory for taking action. So you get up, you make your bed. And I have to say, I love getting into a made bed. So it's 100% worth it for me to take the extra 30 seconds to make our bed. So I make our bed and Jude's bed every morning. Do you know... 
can you speak to that at all about like getting up and just starting your day with taking action in some way? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Actually, that's like one of my rhythms is that like I have two morning rhythms. My first one is what I do before everybody else gets up. And I literally just like throw myself out of bed and go do yoga in the living room in the dark, like usually still with my eye mask on. I'm like, I don't even want to be there, but I'm just like, I throw myself out there and then I'll like make coffee and I'll journal and I'll meditate and kind of think about my day a little bit. And obviously this doesn't happen every day because sometimes I'm up all night with Mm -hmm. small people and sometimes they wake up four seconds before my alarm goes off Mm -hmm. and you know, So the key with rhythms really is to be like flexible and not be too (laughs) black or white about it because I have been. And so now what I do is I just try and take all of the components of my morning rhythm and spread them out throughout the day. If I don't get around to it, it makes me a much happier human being. (laughs) But my second thing that I do, like once the kids are up is by 830, I have got the laundry done. The house is all cleaned up. Breakfast dishes are away. Lunch is like in the crock pot and I know what's for dinner. And so like by the time 8.30 comes around, I don't have any kind of like lingering questions about like the important things of the day about like what we're going to eat and mm-hmm. <laughs> like what we're going to do. And then at 8.30, I'll like have a second cup of coffee and sit down and play with the kids. Mm-hmm. And it just like really sets me up really well. And part of that is making beds. And part of that is just like making sure that everything's tidy because otherwise I can't focus. And I just like feel guilty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot <Yeah>. of guilt. <laughs> totally. We actually mm-hmm. subscribed to HelloFresh a couple of years ago and we've been loving it ever since. And I'm realizing now that I'm listening to you talk that one of the biggest problems that it solved for us was the need to actually take action and decide what we were going to have for dinner, which sounds ridiculous, but it would be one of those things that like five o'clock would roll around and we'd say, what do you want to have for dinner? And it would actually turn into a fight sometimes because I'd be like, let's have pizza and Jeff would complain about it. And so anyway, I just, we subscribed to HelloFresh. Now all the decisions are made for us. And so So we can just skip right past that and we just get straight to like, okay, like which one of these four recipes are we going to cook tonight? Like it narrows it right down and it's actually solved a lot of problems in our life. I know it sounds like such a first world. Oh, I am with you. Meal planning is so hard. Like why is it so hard to decide what's for Mm. dinner? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. I've tried lots of different things. I haven't I'm not there yet. But how lucky are we to have this as a problem, right? It's true. It's true. But okay, so the third thing, it kind of ties in with this whole rhythm. It's to enjoy it. So D is for declutter, R is for rhythm, and E is for enjoy it. Like if you can figure out how to enjoy the thing that you don't want to do, like you're winning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like for me, that often looks like lighting a candle, having a glass of wine, you know, like I'll do that like when I'm cleaning the kitchen in the evening because I will dread waking up to a dirty kitchen in the morning. And so I'm just like, I'm gonna make a moment Mm -hmm. here. Like I'll put on a podcast, I'll pour a glass of wine, I'll light a candle, I'll make this like a nice environment for me, you know, and same thing like for folding laundry, like I'll just like watch Gilmore Girls while I fold the laundry. And then I'm like, oh, that was only seven minutes. Well, I guess I'll stay here and finish the episode. You know, it's it's so simple. Like, and it seems like too simple to like be effective. But really, we are in charge of how we think about things. And I know that that's not very popular. 
<laughs> to be like, oh, wait, I'm responsible for my own thoughts. <laughs> no way. That's way too much responsibility. But if you can figure out how to enjoy whatever you don't want to do, do it. Like whatever it takes. Like if you need to like treat yourself to a latte when you go out to run those errands, like do it. If you need to give yourself a sticker after you like do something, like do it. Like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> like we're all just seven year olds who want a sticker chart, right? Like it makes so much so, sense. Yeah. I so I was late to the podcast game, I'll say, because Jeff had been listening to them for probably years before I was like, okay, what what's this podcast thing? And that's what he would do. And so I always joke that one of the reasons I married Jeff is because he would do laundry. And when we were dating, he did my laundry once and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> anyway, but he would always listen to podcasts while doing these things. And I realized, like, oh my goodness, this is actually like you getting some alone time while doing the yes. thing. And like as long as you're doing the thing nobody's gonna bug you I guess by nobody I mean me because I'm like oh he's on I'm gonna leave him all alone (laughs) so it makes complete sense and actually I started watching Netflix shows while cooking in the evenings and it's become like my me time you know I'm doing a thing that nourishes my family that sometimes feels daunting or like you know potentially like a waste of time because I'm not enjoying it but as long as I can pop in some earbuds and listen to a good podcast or um, take in like a trashy show on Netflix like I watched the whole series of Love is Blind and I'm not I was going to say I watched Love is Blind while I was cleaning the kitchen too. Yeah, so it's just like nice mindless, like kind of like the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I can't believe I'm watching this. But it was like compelling for some reason. It was. (laughs) It's like, really? I ugly cried at one point. It was like, why? Why am I ugly crying about Love is Blind Oh my gosh, I love it. It was probably some like vehicle for you to like emote about something else. Yes, definitely. Yeah. But no, it's a great point though. So make sure that you find a way to enjoy the thing that you're doing that you don't love doing. That makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like so much of that is just like different beverages. Oh yeah. I'm going to totally start drinking wine like, while I do my bookkeeping. Yes. Well, maybe speak it slow. Yeah. You know, you don't want to make any mistakes there. It's like high stakes. <laughs> maybe a, maybe a nice uh, golden milk latte yeah, I'll or light something. Yeah, a candle, you know? dim the light. <laughs> Get out my receipts. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Like taxes, taxes. I don't know. Like I don't dread that, but yeah, I've been definitely drinking some wine while I do our yeah. taxes in the evenings. Okay. The fourth thing is to ask for help. Ask for help. Oh my God. Like ask for help. I don't know why it's so hard. It's so hard to ask for help. It feels like admitting defeat and it doesn't have to because we all need help and we all have help to give. So it's like, I love helping people. Like I'm an Enneagram type two. Mm -hmm. I freaking love helping people. It's my jam. It's how I feel like a valuable human being. And like, that's something I have to work on because, you know, I can definitely take it too far (laughs) and only derive my value from helping others. So I'm learning how to like, just be okay with myself Mm -hmm. as I am. But yeah, asking for help is really difficult for me because I want to be a super mom. I want to be able to do it all. It's a point of pride Mm -hmm. and I can't, there just isn't enough time. Mm -hmm. There isn't enough energy. I don't have what it takes to do it Mm -hmm. all. And so it's like, we all need to have permission 
to ask for Yes, help. and it's also one of those things that's like you're letting go of a little bit of control each time you accept help. And I know that is something that mm-hmm. I struggle with too. Like again, as an entrepreneur, because I always like to do things the way that I do them. And as soon as I get somebody else to do it, they're going to do it a little bit differently. And I would struggle with that in the early days. I've been able to let that go since because it's just not possible or practical for me to do all of the things. But I totally get that. Asking for help is there's a lot that goes into that. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you just have to pet your ego and say, it's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to ask for help. And this doesn't mean that you have to think any less of yourself. Mm -hmm. And probably you'll get more done now because (laughs) you don't have to do this one thing. You know, it's like huge thing in like, especially being an entrepreneur and like having to do everything by yourself in the beginning and then learning how to ask for help. And this actually leads us to our last thing. It's delegate. Mm -hmm. The last D is delegate because like sometimes you just got to delegate stuff. Even if it's stuff that you know how to do. And even if it's stuff that you do well, you can delegate Mm -hmm. it and you probably should because just because you're good at something doesn't mean you should Mm -hmm. do it. Totally. We just recently came across, well, I shouldn't say we recently came across it. We've known it's been a thing, but we've been putting it off and putting it off, but ordering groceries online. So now I don't know. Oh, I did that. And the, the hour and a half walking around the grocery store collecting the things. And we also have people cleaning our house, which took a long time for me to let go of that too. Cause I'm like, I can do that myself. Why would I pay somebody else to do it? But then I realized that's like two hours a week of my time that I can spend making money, doing photo shoots, you know, doing things inside my business that only I can do. So I get it. And it doesn't always look like, you know, you're pointing at people you know, on your team, it might be like you're using an online service instead of doing something yourself. Yeah. Honestly, we just hired cleaners as well, like biweekly. And it's the most amazing Mm -hmm. thing to know that somebody else is going to mop the floors and clean the stairs. It clears up so much mental space for me. Like that's the time it saves Mm -hmm. me. It's not the two hours, like that two hours is great, but it's the time thinking, oh my God, I have to mop oh, the floor. Oh, I didn't think to account for that time. So it's probably more like 10 hours you got to. <laughs> Yes, yes. And that is why dread is the biggest time sucker because we don't even realize how much of our time and energy and brain space and happy emotions and everything it's taking away from mm-hmm. us. Like, yeah, I mean- Getting a house cleaner is the best oh thing goodness. ever. <laughs> I will never not have one now. I swear we'll cut groceries before we cut that service because it, it's just the peace of mind. And to your point, I guess I hadn't thought of it like this, but it's saving me all that time thinking about it and guilt. And, you know, I can remember looking down at the floor and seeing like dirt and thinking like, when am I going to get to that? And usually it would be before we had company. So sometimes I, you know, we'd invite people over for dinner and I'm like, okay, now is a reason to like really get this house cleaned. <laughs> yeah. But like, you're a reason to have your house mm-hmm. clean. That's true. Well, like, you should do it for you. Totally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Girlfriend loves a clean house. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love this. This is something that I'm going to be thinking about well into the future. I've learned so much just from thinking about the brain space today. I'm wondering, I know that you put together a little bit of a PDF, and we're going to include that in the show notes. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's really, it's just this process. It just kind of like spells out how to declutter, create a rhythm, figure out how to enjoy it, ask for help and delegate so that 
you can remember that. Yeah, completely. <laughs> and we're definitely going to include ways to get in touch with you, Hillary, in the show notes as well, your website, your Instagram, all of those good things. I'm wondering now if you can share what one thing listeners can do, like as soon as they're finished listening to this podcast and it ends, what can they go away and do today to get them closer to living this decluttered life? Mm. Okay, well, I wish this was like more tangible, but I think it's the most important place to start. And I think that it you need to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. You need to kind of forgive yourself for all of the things that you've been putting off doing because there's like this um, accompanying feeling that goes along with dread and it is the word mm-hmm. guilt. And uh, oh my gosh, like the guilt of not doing things that you know you should do or feel like you're supposed to do can be so crippling. Mm-hmm. And it is like the biggest stumbling block between you and you starting. And so if you can just like let it go, like today is a new day and just like give yourself permission to move forward regardless of how you've acted in the past and regardless of the future things that you will continue to put off and dread, like stop expecting perfection, stop being all or nothing, forgive yourself and just start. Just start. That is some seriously solid advice. And I think a little forgiveness goes a long way because I always say we are our own worst critics and it can be exhausting at times. Hillary, thank you so much for sharing all of your expertise and wisdom today. I know I learned a lot and I'm going to go away from this conversation and live just a little tiny bit differently. Thank you so much. Oh man, thank you so much for having me. I love talking about this stuff, obviously. I kind of can't shut up about it, so. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Wow, I just learned so much from Hillary, and I think it's fine time that I busted out my favorite playlist and a bottle of the good wine and just got down to business with getting things done. I know I've been so guilty of spending more time agonizing over things I don't want to do than the amount of time it actually takes to just do them. And remember, just because you can do something doesn't always mean that you should be the one doing it. Workshop Warriors, I hope this episode has given you permission to forgive yourself for all of the things you've been putting off doing so that you can move forward in your business and in your life free of guilt and ready to tackle the tasks you dread. I hope this episode left you feeling free and inspired. And I want to know, what is something on your dread list that you're going to start delegating? Let me know on Instagram at at Kelly S. Lawson. And thank you so much for hitting play on another episode of the Workshop Weekly Podcast. Until next time, my friends. Thanks for listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.theworkshopweekly.com or leave a review on iTunes. And we'll see you next week for another action-packed episode, you workshop warrior you.